Welcome to the Busy Mumsy Podcast, Season 2. I'm your forever coffee-infused host, Ashley Verma, and we are all here weekly to share the ups, downs, and all-arounds of the wild world of parenting. A safe space, a Lego-free space, to vent, to inspire, and well, perhaps this is the only adult conversation you hear all day. What is Adia doing? A, B, C, D. <laughs> is that funny? So each week, I will be joined by a fellow striving, thriving, and surviving busy mumsy. We learn together. We grow together. Hell, we cheers with an adult bevy when necessary. I get it. I am human and failures simply happen. I am not shiny and I am never filtered unapologetically. I am at its best. Even when the dishes aren't done, there's crayon on the wall, and well, my hair hasn't been washed in forever. I am Busy Mumsy. Happy Wednesday, friends. Ash here, and I hope you're doing great. I'm in a bit of a countdown mode, I'm not going to lie. Four weeks from now, Addie and I are heading to the States. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, basically I've already started all of my online shopping. So you can only imagine that my mom's house in Florida is just being filled with Amazon boxes as we speak. It's a true story and sorry, mom. (laughs) Well, my guest today knows all about what it takes to be a mom. And she also knows all about running an online shopping platform. Today, I am welcoming Steph Douglas, the creator of Don't Buy Her Flowers, Steph has a background in brand marketing, and she started Don't Buy Her Flowers in 2014 after receiving eight beautiful, well-meant bouquets. When when she first had her first baby, she was realizing that, well, flowers were a terrible gift. And why is she having to take care of flowers and also a child? (laughs) Brilliant name, a thousand percent. Don't Buy Her Flowers now creates thoughtful gift boxes for any occasion. From new moms and birthdays to get well and bereavement, Steph has created a platform where customers can put together bespoke gifts, selecting products they know the recipient will absolutely love. And then it also includes like a lovely gift box and a handwritten note. I am so excited to meet Steph and hear how she is juggling all the many plates. So let's welcome Steph Douglas on for a Busy Mumsy Chat. Steph Douglas, welcome to the Busy Mumsy podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. I literally (laughs) get you in mid-swig of your cup of tea. (laughs) Yes, sorry. (laughs) There's no other British way to enter a podcast. Well, exactly. That's exactly right. You know, I've got my, my coffee, my water, and my weird green juice next to me. I guess that's my American way. So a cup of tea for you is Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. As you are a fabulous podcaster yourself with Don't Buy Her Flowers. And of course, your huge mega business as well. Also mm-hmm. at the same time. Um, <laughs> I want to dive into three kiddos. Yeah. What are their ages? So we've got Frank, who's five. Mabel is 10 and Buster is 12. So quite spread out. You, yeah. So you have it all figured out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I have. Yeah. God, no. I mean, they're, they're quite spread out because the first, I found the I found it much harder than I thought it was going to be. Had the first two really close together, then started the business and was like, oh, my God, this feels mad. And then was like, I've not done. I want another one. But it, three is a lot. 
I would say. I, I mean, hey, if, if I could have one more, I would sign me up for it, even though just my one is an absolute handful. Like she's <laughs> wackadoodle, crazy pants, full of energy always. Like even today, I was, she got up super, super early and Great. had a wild day at school. And I was like, are you sure you don't want a nap? She's like, no, no. And How like, old you is just, she? She's three. She's oh, three. Yeah. It's like wiping her eyes and like, no, mom, I got this. I am going to the trampoline world. Like I'm going. Yeah. yeah. So off three, she went. Three is still really little. I keep saying that about my five-year-old because I'm trying to convince myself that the tantrums and the dodgy behavior and everything is fine. It's fine because they're still little, but three is still really little. Oh, I just, I, I want to bottle the magic. I so want to bottle the magic. Well, back to your magic, Steph, as okay. you've got a 12 year old. So let's rewind it back because <laughs> having your first two kids, as you said, was kind of the catalyst for you to start your own business. Mm -hmm. So I want to go back to that first time having your first, your first born and you finding you, what was the process like for you and how did it hit home for you to like navigate the wild world of parenting? I just, I hadn't really thought about it that much before it happened. So I just, I don't know, it didn't seem that big a thing. I think there's a lot more discussion now about motherhood and that the huge impact it has and parenthood and everything. I think then 12 years ago, it was kind of like, I, I, it did. It felt like no one was talking about it. So I just was completely in shock when I had a baby and then was like, hang on a minute. I feel this like amazing love, but I also hate some of this. And the idea that you could feel both of those things. And actually that is motherhood most of the time that you can feel completely on your knees, exhausted. And then you also want to, spend more time making something for them or doing another story or like it, it's all of that stuff in one go and that's what I feel was kind of missing from from anything that I'd heard or seen spoken about or whatever um but yeah so I'm completely in shock um and finding myself again well I think uh, Mabel was only a year I was basically Buster was one when I had her uh sorry when I was pregnant with her and so I don't think I got myself back particularly in between because it, there wasn't much point. <laughs> I kind of went back to work. Well, well I mean, no, they, I mean, they, they, I mean, doctors even say that like, after you have a child, you haven't hormonally hit rock bottom. I mean, I say that with the, the biggest love and hug, but like <laughs> yeah. you really haven't hit it until like another three, four months postpartum. Like you mm. really get depleted and then you mm. have to like build yourself back up. But it sounds like then for you, you had a quick turnaround of I'm pregnant again. Yeah, and I think I, I did probably build myself up a bit in terms of there was only one baby and there were two of us. So I think now I can look at it and go, oh, you actually have quite a lot of time when there's one kid and there's two of you. Um, but it didn't feel like that because I was probably really hard on myself about how much I should be doing and what I had to be doing. And so I wasn't I didn't take any if there was a moment of peace or. Doug, my husband, was on it and I didn't need to be, I probably still was worrying about the child rather than going, put your feet up, this is your moment. And then if you have another one, you can't do that anyway. <laughs> you missed the boat. Yeah, right? I mean, I, I only have one child, but I, I definitely feel like 
it's like this double-edged sword or that tug of tug of war of like you had your first 12 years ago, kind of when social media, if you will, started to, I hate mm -hmm. to say this, rear its ugly head, mm -hmm. but you know, we all spiral within it. I mean, having a, having a child in like during the pandemic and social media was like basically life for everyone. So like you turn to it for like every sort of question you had, every sort of like, Oh, big milestone. Oh, wait, it wasn't such a big milestone. Like you look to that. So did it feel now looking back on it, did it feel freeing that you didn't have that kind of extra, like in your face, like not, I want to say guidance, but just kind of like loud noise that can be projected out oh, there. Yeah. On yeah. I think that must be horrific. Like, I, And I did have that more with my third, like there were still ways of hearing other viewpoints or you'd there'd be forums perhaps. You know, and blog. Don't get me wrong too. It's important to hear other stories and journeys. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be doing a podcast if it wasn't for that. But it's the comparison oh. bit, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think I was, yeah, it was probably a, a simpler time um, when I had my first and my second. And then when I had my third, I was I was much more on social media, but also it had, it had completely changed. Um, so I think I'm probably grateful in hindsight. that I, So I've kind of, I guess I've done both. I've kind of had a, a kid when there was lots of noise um, going around so five years ago compared to 12 years ago. But with my third, when it's your third, you're less susceptible to that noise because you're a bit like, look, I've, I'm okay. I'm not going to panic about the way in and whether they rolled over and whether they're eating broccoli. And like, you just, you have to um, become a bit easier on yourself, gentler on yourself. And that re that's actually quite nice. I was much, much kinder to myself with my third than I was with my first and second. And I think part of that was just that I was older, more experienced, um yeah and you learn from each child so that's or that's obvious really I mean Steph I immediately think that I would actually put my oldest in charge of the youngest and I, I would maybe <laughs> put my feet up and have an extra cup of tea or a glass yeah. of wine yeah yeah like you 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 torture yourself especially with your mm. first I think um and actually like I did I wrote a whole piece about pulling up the drawbridge when I had my third and it came from when I had it was actually when I had my first when I had Buster my mum I rang her crying and I was like I just I, it's too much and I'd been for a walk with my NCT group you know the kind of who'd all had babies at the same time none of us knew what we were doing everyone had had their first babies and we'd go for these walks set off these like quite like um like aiming for a, a good long walk but a baby would inevitably need a feed because they're babies right so they weren't in a routine particularly yet no one knew what they were doing and you're exhausted and depleted because you're feeding or whatever you're doing you're not getting enough sleep and you're probably not feeding yourself properly so I Kate would come home completely knackered and I just my mum was like Steph what you do you don't need to do that you don't need to go anywhere if you get to the day and you're feeling good great but stop booking stuff in and I think that's what I felt with my first like a pressure to get to the different things and meet with the people and go to the coffee but then if that night you'd had a terrible night I'd still go because I felt like I had to because otherwise well, what would people think of me well I couldn't have given a stuff by the time I'd had like my third but I put myself under this pressure. My mum was just like, step, pull up the drawbridge, stay home. Just have one thing you've got to do in the day, which might be to go to the shop and get toilet roll. It doesn't have to be 
a big thing until you feel a bit better and less exhausted. And I did that with my third. I really pulled back and looked after myself and stayed at home a lot and fed and didn't worry about expressing and all that stuff. And it all just was so much smoother. Well, yeah, because you definitely didn't learn a baby number two because you launched a business. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I did. Yeah. Yeah. You, you probably just love to be busy stuff. Like you yeah. are busy Douglas. That is, that is who you are. There's probably a bit of that. Yeah. Yeah. So they were one, my, my eldest were one and three when I started the business. So please share, take us into the journey of when was that aha moment that you wanted to start your own business? Don't buy her flowers and kind of create the empire that you continue to create. So when I had Buster, um, we'd actually had a bit of a crap time. My husband had been diagnosed with cancer when I was pregnant with him. And so throughout my pregnancy, we'd had he'd had treatment and um, surgery and all that stuff. And then I went into labor like the day he finished radiotherapy four weeks early as well. So um, that first few months were mad and I was sitting at home and it was all quite overwhelming and you know everything hurt and then flowers kept arriving and I was just like I don't understand what it's a like and I'd never thought about it it'd never been something that entered my mind I didn't even really know that that's what people do when you have a baby but quite often they do send flowers or things like um baby blankets or like lots of things for the baby which probably you've already bought because if it's your first baby you've gone and got those things and you buy everything but a new kitchen sink. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and it just struck me that it was really bizarre, particularly it's a really bizarre gift to give someone another thing to look after when you really don't need another thing to care for. Like at that particular point of, of life, you don't need another thing to look after. And so they were all really well meant. And I understood that they, that people were sending these gifts for me. This was meant to be the bit that was for me because it wasn't for the baby and it wasn't for my husband. Um, but I just thought that's a really dreadful gift, actually. And you could do so much better. And and what people are spending, like I worked in marketing. So I, obviously I was on maternity leave, but all the agencies I worked with, they're sending these really extravagant bouquets. So they're spending a decent amount of money, but I didn't have anywhere to put them. I didn't have vases. I did, just had to do something with them. And that was the core idea for Don't Buy Her Flowers came from that, which was what about a gift box that is about TLC that encourages someone to take a bit of time for themselves and that could be a thermos mug so she can keep her cup of tea hot it could be a really good flapjack and cashmere socks a really nice bubble bath like you can put together a package um, and that's what we do it's bespoke so people can go on the site and select the products to put together but it's hand-picked so it's really really thoughtful and that's the key bit so you know if you're sending someone you care about chocolate whether they like milk chocolate or dark chocolate or they don't like chocolate but they need something dairy free or like all these things that you can you can put together and and then very quickly people wanted to send it for other occasions so it was um get well and bereavement actually became a really has become a big occasion for us um because it's the same thing the people don't need something to look after if they if someone that they love's just died um, it makes total sense, right? So they need a bit of TLC. They need some looking after. We have a handwritten tag that goes in with each package and you can you write your personal message and we write that for you. So that would be whatever those words are you want to say. That Again, people always comment on that because it feels really personal. And so, yeah, that's it, it's become 
the market has become considerably bigger than it was when I started as Gifts for New Mums because now we cover men and children and workplace gifting as well um, and all the occasion birthdays now our biggest occasion which is obviously everyone has a birthday every year so it's there's a lot more of them than than when we first started did you have like some staff already working for you at the get-go I mean you're managing now two children no no and and also like orders were quite slow to start with right so the initial you know the first month might have been 30 orders over the month so I was packing them I was on my knees in the spare room packing them and I did it I fit it around so it could be that I'd put the kids to bed and then I'd be packing boxes um and I did nine months of that completely on my own and then was talking to a friend and was like I don't know I can't I can't grow it if I'm only ever packing boxes I can't tell anyone about it or spend the time finding new products or all that stuff and she was like we need to bring people in to pack so I had I had a couple of girls that used to come in from college and come to my house and pack boxes in my spare room I don't know what they thought of it I think they're like this is weird we're just in this lady's house <laughs> but but that was a way to kind of get it to that next point so that I could be off that bit of the business and then could focus on growing it and and then it's kind of been incremental from there where we've just added each each time I've added a person in to a role in the business or outsourced the customer services like I bought in a friend who now runs still runs that and um, then we moved out of the house after two years and built a uh, and moved to a warehouse in Gloucestershire and built a team there and my brother runs that and so each time we've done those steps it has allowed the business to grow which is great but it's quite it's quite nerve-wracking but you kind of have to do it yeah so what what is in the pipeline for it and um it, is your oldest in in the room next door packing boxes? Are you going to show? Them? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. They do. They're now. They're quite interested in the business. Actually, when they were kids, they were like, yeah. yeah, they're like, what are you doing? What is this? Or they would just have to come in the back. I'd be dropping parcels off, you know, to the depot, and they'd be in the back of the car, and it was just standard that that's what they did. And mummy did something to do with boxes. Like they didn't, you know. I think they thought I was a delivery person. They had no idea. And now my 12 year old is like, so could I start when, at what point could I start working in the warehouse and what can I do? And when, when are you going to sell it and how much money, like all those things that kids go to. It has to be exciting because I, I, I have to know just as a woman, as a business owner, what does it mean to you to have something like this to show your kids and show them the real shiny bits of it. But then also, I mean, business is tough. There's, there's a definite like, uh, and a grind to it that yeah. do you show them that side of the business too? What does this all mean for you to give and showcase to your kids? Yeah, I think definitely it just didn't. So my eldest has started secondary school. So that is a massive shift of kind of growing up. And he, he actually said the other day, do you, you should feel really proud. Well, no, he said, do you feel really proud about the business? And I was like, um, you know, yeah. And, and it's been tough. Like retail is really tough at the moment, the cost of living crisis and all this stuff. Um, and yeah, he was like, you should. And I was like, oh, thanks, Buster. Like, and it was lovely because uh, it was coming from him. It wasn't me kind of trying to bore him about the business and get him to talk about it. So I think it is. And they can see sometimes when it's stressful or I'm trying to juggle lots of things that, you know, I work from home quite a lot. So they'll be here and it'll be like, right, I've just got to finish this thing before I can cook dinner or whatever else. Um, and my husband too, like he's involved. So 
they definitely see it differently to how they, you know, it just happened when they were kids and they just had no awareness of what was happening. And and I think it is a good thing. They, they're they really curious, especially my eldest. So they'll be learning all the time. Like I didn't have that exposure to business or retail or entrepreneurship or anything like that. So I think that's, that's quite a, an interesting dynamic to see how that influences them as they get older. And how did you navigate the wild world of mom guilt? Because you're giving yourself to this other baby that obviously is funding the -hmm. family, but it also takes you away from, you know, I, I I mean, I, I mean, I was closing a business, but you know, I missed milestone moments because I had to be in the other room working and my husband had to be watching my daughter and, you know, mom guilt is a real thing as much as we like to laugh about it or roll our eyes about it. It's Mm -hmm. a real thing. How, was it for you coping with that with three little ones and building your empire? I think we had to, I had to work really hard with my husband. We have to work really closely together to work out how we were going to manage this as a partnership. Um, because I did definitely feel that more so when the kids were small, but I also felt really annoyed that I felt that because he didn't. And I, I think I have had to kind of talk myself down from it regularly and I've got better at it to go like, I shouldn't feel guilty about certain aspects. Like my warehouse is in Gloucestershire, which is two hours away. So I go there quite often overnight once a week and that's my work. I need to go there to be with my team and I don't feel guilty about it. And I think you have to really dig deep to look at like, why am I feeling guilty? What is it that's that's making me feel like is it because of society expectations and um what I think it should be to be a mum because if it is then you've got to work out is that what you actually want from being a mum and I want a partnership with my husband I want it to feel equal I want to be able to still be a person with ambition and hope and fun and all the other stuff that I think a lot of but I think a lot of our mums generation that generation crushed themselves probably felt quite resentful about it but sort of crushed their own all their own stuff it's sacrifice you know motherhood is sacrifice is what we've been taught and but we we want different so we have to start kind of behaving slightly differently and it doesn't mean neglecting your kids by any stretch like but why would it all be on me and not on my husband? Why would I be the one that gets the phone call when someone's sick and they wouldn't even think about him? Or why would I be the one that goes, okay, well, I'll go and get the child and he never even has to contemplate affecting his day. Like to me, that makes no sense. But I think when you first have kids and you're first trying this out, you fall into that quite easily because that's what we were taught. That's what we saw. That's what everyone expects of us. But is it going to leave you fulfilled and happy? Is it teaching your kids? Do you want your kids to have that same experience where if they're boys, they think of one way and if they're girls, they think a different way? Or do you want them to live in the more equal partnerships in society? And then they're going to have to learn from somebody. So I definitely still feel the guilt, but I think I reason internally before I start really feeling it that this isn't whether it's guilt because I am actually neglecting my kids or is this guilt because I've just got this belief that I'm meant to be here all the time. Yeah. It instantly then makes me want to ask you, what do you do for yourself? Is Mm. there that kind of mantra that you say to yourself daily or you have to like, do you 
kind of schedule in that self-care for yourself weekly, bi-weekly, whatever that is for you, because you're, you're a constant giver. That is what moms are. But then on top mm -hmm. of that, you're also a wife. You're also an entrepreneur. You have a staff of people that you need to give to. Mm -hmm. What do you do for Steph? And then how, how, what could you share that could maybe help someone else? It's kind of feeling like they're juggling a thousand plates as well. Like what has really helped you to firmly plant your feet? So I probably don't do enough for myself. Like if there's time, it's probably is on the business. If I'm in all honesty. And I think there is sacrifice think, in that. And then there's a thing called sleep. So there's like the business yeah, and there's then there's. <laughs> yeah. There's not that much sleep to be honest. Um, no, I think, I think for me, it does come down to the relationship stuff and trying to work out how we how we manage. That's that's been a massive part of the last few years for Doug and I to work out how do we do this so that we don't just constantly. It's not just me doing everything and we work out how we do it equally and that there is it does feel like a team and it's more enjoyable rather than just this kind of slog and monotony. Um, I think Eve Rodsky and Laura Danger, I don't know if you follow either of them, but. Um, with the fair play method and the stuff that they talk about how you can build time into your lives I think that's a really key thing that I wish I understood when my kids were smaller because I've only really started to read and understand and get into that and then have that conversation with my husband in the last few years and it's made quite a difference with the whole mum guilt and all that stuff and and if you're doing that that might be where you then can find time for yourself for some self-care yeah, because I, I, I do love how you re have referenced a few different times about you and your husband 50-50. Mm. And I, I have to say, and I, I mean, this isn't to be rude to any other busy mumsy podcast guest that has uh -huh. come on here, but a lot of people just come on and say, I'm carrying the buck and I'm doing it. And mm -hmm. the other half is kind of just on their own doing their thing and, you know, they get the award for pickup. Right. And I- Love, I absolutely love that you both are holding each other accountable for that 50-50 because I, you know, I, I think it's hard to balance that act out in the household. Well, it's like, do you know what I really hate when it's that whole thing about mums, it's always mums getting up early to have an hour of peace in the day before the day starts. It's like, why should women have to do like what we need even less sleep? Like, but that's yeah. quite often what we're pitched. I, you know what I'm going to share with you? I only get up 15 minutes early to get the coffee going. That's all I care about. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's okay. That's okay. And I run to the kitchen for coffee. Yeah, yeah. But I think that that's, I've, I've seen it quite a lot of like, how do you fit your, how do you fit it into your day? But it's always focused on women. And it's like, men aren't having to get up at five in the morning to get an hour of cleaning in before the family wake up or to get an hour of peace because that's the only time they could possibly get it like that it doesn't really make sense I'm not saying we've got it perfect by any stretch because we what like I've mentioned we both come from really traditional families I would you know with parents who are still together and we fall into that really easily and then you have to kind of pull yourselves back and go hang on a minute why am I then suddenly taking all of the school stuff on as well as the drop off and pickups as well as the you know and you're not and we, and it's neither of our fault really it's what we've learned so you kind of have to keep challenging it 
You know, Steph, I mean, I'm I'm in Uganda right now and the cost of living here is way cheaper and you can hire help at a much, right. I mean, it's wonderful and great and we're very lucky to do it. But mm-hmm. I understand what they say that you need a village and whether that is family around or whatever, like I get mm-hmm. it now because when I first had Adia, I was like, oh no, I'm fine. Oh no, I'm mm-hmm. fine. I got that. And I, I didn't have it. Like I was an absolute sinking <laughs> ship. My husband wasn't even around to like hold her while I was in another room doing a PT session on Zoom. Like my daughter literally was on my hip. Yeah. And so moved here to Uganda with Adia and we have the support. I'll tell you what, like I was a mentalist and no one gave me an award. No one patted me on the back. And like now my husband and I, hold each other accountable and he's got to step up to the plate. I'm like, I don't care that you have to be at work at eight 30. You're doing the school run today. Like mm-hmm. you can do it. Like, it's just like you, you have to divvy it up because it's, it, it the, the pendulum swings both ways and it should not just fall on one side. I mean, we did carry the child. I'm not going to get on my high horse, but we did carry the child for nine months. Okay. <laughs> so my lower back hurts for it. Yeah. <laughs> With that said, to pass the torch to that expecting busy mumsy, what do you know now? Three glorious children, your fourth child being your amazing business, don't buy her flowers. What do you know now about yourself that you're like, please, that new mom listening, sink this into your head, take it to your heart. Please go buy it because it helped you exponentially. What do I know now? That you will be doing a better job of all of it than you will ever give yourself credit for. Like I look back now and go, oh my God, I had a, a like a baby, a newborn and a two-year-old. Well, no, he's less than two. He's 21 months old. And I'd be getting out to the park because the two-year-old needed it and I was still feeding and like the juggle, the intense juggle. And I, and I didn't obviously go, oh, Steph, you're doing a great job at the time. And I just think whatever, however you're doing it, you will be doing a better job than you're ever going to pause and go, oh, I'm doing all right here. And I wish we could, but I guess you, you hopefully we maybe we even do in, in hindsight, maybe we can look back and go, oh, wow, that was a big deal. <laughs> but yeah, I think women are just so hard and new mums so hard on themselves. Yeah, essentially, we just all need to hire um, a videographer that just follows us around so that we have something <laughs> yeah. to talk about, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And go like, look what you did. That was mad. You did. You get yeah. a gold star. Well, yeah. Steph, you get a gold star because you have been an absolute pleasure, a wonderful Busy thank Mumsy you. podcast guest. So thank you so much for your time, your words of wisdom, and all the best with Don't Buy Her Flowers. It's thank an you. amazing platform. All the details are in the show notes. And thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to this week's show. Did you like it, Adia? Yes. Oh, the enthusiasm. I love it. Please share your love by giving us a five-star rating, a rockin' review, and please share with any fellow Busy Mumsies. We love hearing from you. So if you want to get in touch, head to the Busy Mumsy show notes for further details and links to the Busy Mumsy website. So long for now. Can you say bye-bye, Adia? Bye-bye, Adia. <laughs> 
Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the aging process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.